You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by Crane Credit Union. Get a $150 deposit into your new Crane Credit Union checking account when you get e-statements, have direct deposit, and use your debit card. Plus, there's no monthly service charges and no minimum balance to open your account. Stop into any of Crane Credit Union's 14 locations or visit their website at cranecu.org for more information. That's cranecu.org. Crane Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of Assembly Call Radio. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. This is episode number 318 of the Assembly Call, and it is episode number 27 of Assembly Call Radio, recorded on the evening of Thursday, May 11th, 2017. Let's open with a quote. I don't think people are going to look out and immediately say, wow, they're awesome on defense. But we're going to never deviate from what's important in this program. The identity and culture over time has to start and stop with playing real hard. We have to be one of those teams where everyone we play knows this is going to be a little different tonight. It's going to be hard. That doesn't mean we win every game, but everyone has to know it's going to be hard. At Indiana, with the talent and the size you can have, that's the way it should be. That, of course, was Archie Miller, as quoted in Pat Forty's story for Yahoo this week, titled Clean Office, Clean Slate, Archie Miller starting from scratch with Reboot of Indiana. I'm still waiting for the first Archie Miller quote that doesn't make me immensely excited for the 2017-18 season, no matter who is on the roster. I'm Jared Morris, your host for Assembly Call Radio, where each Friday we break down the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. And once the season starts, you can catch us immediately after every IU basketball game on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Watch us live at assemblycall.com or on YouTube Live and Facebook Live as well. And if you can't catch one of our shows live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts and you will find us. All right. Let's begin tonight's show how we always begin, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And, you know, two weeks ago, my banner moment was about James Blackman Jr. and how he might improve as a senior under Archie Miller. Oops. Uh, A couple weeks before that, when it seemed like there might be a chance that Thomas Bryant would stay for his junior year, he was the subject of the banner moment. Oops. This, this is why we quit doing bold predictions, as I recall. Stay away yes. from Robert Johnson, yes. you monster. So, so for right now, for right now, let me just say that at least as of Thursday night at nine oh five Eastern time, Robert Johnson is still an Indiana Hoosier, and hopefully that remains the case after he makes his final decision sometime soon. Now, I know, I know, I know, Robert had a very up and down junior season, but three year senior starters at guard don't grow on trees. And so Robert clearly would be a huge part of Archie Miller's first team at Indiana, probably the Hoosiers' leading scorer, and possibly even the difference between Indiana challenging for an NCAA tournament bid or playing in the NIT. So hopefully Robert decides to stick around, though I'm making no predictions uh, at all, because given my recent history here with the Banner Moment, uh, there's no reason for me to get carried away and offer a soft prediction or mention what direction the quote-unquote wind seems to be blowing. So the bottom line is Rojo will either be back or he won't. But here's the thing. Either way, I don't think it's going to change Archie Miller's expectations for what he wants to accomplish in his first season at IU. And that realization, that real, legitimate, immovable standards are back for Indiana basketball, that is this week's banner moment. All right, let me now introduce my esteemed co-host to my left. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the person who is sweating Robert Johnson's decision more than any other. Yes, he's the president of the Rojo Fan Club, a world-renowned bracketologist, and a proud supporter of the second-place Cincinnati Red Stockings. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, it's hard to really pick anything other than the the roster 
maybe uh, at least being as close as we've been so far to its its final state and you know we've we've pointed toward that in you know most of the offseason trying to figure out what this team's going to look like as you said all of the quotes and everything else make you excited for the season to start but it's been a little bit hard to imagine uh, exactly what that roster is going to look like so now we're uh, with James leaving another step closer, in theory, nothing else has to happen, and we may well have uh, the roster in its entirety right now. And and so we start to to figure out what that all means. And uh, you know, I think the one question that comes up with Blackman leaving is something that we've talked about, and it really becomes who the uh, is there a go-to scorer on this team? There's going to have to be at some point, and who who does that become uh, in his absence? I think it was uh, you know even once Bryant left, it was easy to kind of put James in that role, a role that he had played. Uh, over the course of his time in Indiana, uh, particularly this past season when IU needed a bucket in games against Kansas and the you know the Penn State game, those kinds of things. And so now, um, you know, the attention really turns to: is this the final roster? And if it is, uh, who who becomes the go-to guy and really steps in to fill those shoes? Because um, I do think, you know, it probably depended on who it was, but but one of those guys returning uh, seems like it could be a, a swing of a few wins here and there and, and a few close games. So. Um, you know, I think we can now at least turn our attention to who who assumes that role. And as we start trying to figure out what roles are going to look like uh, on the newest incarnation of IU basketball, we'll uh, we'll get a little bit closer to, to figuring that out as we go through the offseason. I'm sure some of uh, Coach Miller's comments will lead us in that direction. But I think, you know, again, there are fewer and fewer and fewer unknowns uh, as we move forward. And, and I think that's uh, that's exciting and gives us, uh, some, you know, some additional things to talk about who who steps in and fills the voids that are now certain and are now created. And to my right, we have the man who is secretly pulling the strings behind the scenes to get all of the IU upperclassmen to go pro so that Deron Davis can lead Indiana in all statistical categories, a columnist for TheBigLead.com, and a man who was surprisingly extended an invite to the NBA Draft Combine based on the recommendation of childhood friend Luke Walton, but who turned it down with a message faxed to all 30 NBA teams that said simply, watch my tape. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant from the past week in IU basketball? How did you find out about that? That was it's, someone at those teams is leaking, aren't they? They're just leaking like crazy. Message boards, man. Message boards. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, you know, I think it's it's James Blackman Jr. is what I think I wanted to focus on in my opening statement. I, you know, this is a guy who came in with all the fanfare of a of a five star huge, you know, prospect, and certainly I think everyone would agree that while he did average. 15.7 points, 15.8 points, and 17 points per game in his three seasons. Uh, I think his career was a bit of a disappointment. Um, try as he might, he he had some certainly some great highlights, um, but I think and some some games that certainly stood out where it looked like wow, that's the guy we recruited. Um, but I but I think there was always sort of a, a malaise to his game and and sort of a. Um, you know, he didn't really make an emotional connection to fans. I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that. I think that a lot of fans didn't feel uh, a real connection to him in, in the three years he played. Obviously, he suffered an injury in the middle of uh, the not last season, but the season before uh, and was out for for, you know, more than half the season. Uh, so it's harder to get involved with a guy, uh, you know, and, and form a bond with a guy like that. But I also feel like, you know, James did that to himself a little bit. He was a little bit of a me player. He was a little bit of a guy who looked for his own offense and didn't necessarily, um, you know, work. Uh, the team concept. We heard a lot of stuff off the court stuff about his family and Tom Crean and, you know, all that. And that's all rumors and conjecture. You don't know what happened behind the scenes, but you just felt like it was the team and James for most of the time he was on campus. And um, that's sad. It's a bummer. I hope, you know, I, I really pray for the guy that he, that he, that he goes on and has a successful NBA career. I think his game fits the professional game, whether it's the NBA or Europe or whatever. I think his game fits that far more than it fits college um, because it's more of a one-on-one game at the next level. Uh, and he certainly can score. Uh, he's definitely going to have to learn how to play defense, and he's definitely going to have to stay healthy, two things that he didn't do during his time at Indiana. So, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's sad to see a guy with so much promise and who Indiana fans were so excited about getting uh, really never make that connection to IU fans i mean there there are guys uh on the team who came in with almost no fanfare who wound up becoming you know favorites and and this you know uh, fan favorites and this guy had all the talent in the world and, and never really connected so uh that was kind of a bummer to see how that turned out but uh good luck to him and and i hope he's a success and i hope he represents indiana well at the next level next level 
All right, we've got a great show for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about James Blackman Jr. here coming up in this segment. Then we are going to go to our Twitter Q&A. There weren't that many headlines this week, so we're going to jump right to our Twitter Q&A. You all keep sending in great questions, and we're excited to answer them. And then we're going to do something fun in segment three. Everyone likes fantasy drafts, right? Well, we're going to actually do a fantasy draft with the Indiana roster as if we're getting ready to draft for a three-on-three tournament. This should be fun. Uh, we should get some lively debates going with this. And then with Mark, our, with Mark Jarrett's first-round pick down as Greg Graham, and then we'll just <laughs> no, everything no, else. Just, just someone who there. reminds me of Greg Graham. Obviously, we can't pick Greg Graham. Uh, and then with our fourth segment, we don't know. We'll either keep talking about our three-on-three draft or we'll do a player spotlight of Curtis Jones. We will see uh, where we get to at that point. All of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, before we talk a little bit more about James, uh, a quick word from this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. So the NBA playoffs, as you know, are in full swing, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Like, for instance, the Houston-San Antonio game, which is going on right now as we speak. Of course, Eric Gordon and Troy Williams on Houston. Uh, Ryan, what was your update on the Houston-San Antonio game earlier? What was it that you said Houston was doing? Uh laying an egg let's put it that way uh it's not not fit for air yes. gentlemen I'm, I'm sorry uh we'll say they're laying it yeah so i personally have the seat geek app on my phone it's by far the easiest way that i found to shop for tickets i can be anywhere and with just a few taps i can instantly find seats i actually used the seat geek uh, app twice this year as i've told you uh to buy tickets to mavericks games to watch yogi play hopefully i can use it next year to watch og thomas and james uh, all play in the nba we'll see how that goes uh, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever, and it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available, too. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, and, and guys, let's talk a little bit more about James Blackman Jr. I and mean, Andy, I think you kind of hit, you know, the nail on the head with what this really does for Indiana. You know, I was curious how James would adjust to Archie Miller's system, where clearly the demands for playing defense were going to be much more stringent than they were under Tom Crean. And I was interested to see how he would respond to that. And also interesting, you know, interested to see him come back because he has that kind of scorer's mentality and ability that is clearly missing from this team, especially with with Thomas Bryant no longer around. This team is just kind of devoid of a proven go-to scorer. And that, you know, those shoes are going to be really big for Indiana to fill. Certainly, I think Indiana can be better defensively without James. Um but, you know, his ability to score, that's really going to be something that Indiana is going to have a hard time uh, filling in for this season. It, yeah, it really becomes a question of, you know, certainly we saw Robert Johnson shoot the ball really well from the outside at times, um, but also struggled with the shot at times. You know, Josh Newkirk got a lot better over the course of the season. Um, and so I think, you know, they have to be more consistent in, in that scenario uh, to be able to stretch the floor because, you know, what. Uh, at one time was a, a real strength of the team in terms of three-point shooting as we've looked over these last few years is somewhat of a question mark uh, coming in. And so just trying to figure out how to space the floor and, and those kinds of things, I think it, uh, you know, really be uh, big for, for both Robert and Josh uh, and even, you know, Devontae Green, Curtis Jones to really take a step up from a, a backcourt perspective. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see late game scenarios who has the ball in their hands trying to create uh, for themselves or for others um, because there's not, I guess Robert seems to be from a, if, if you're looking at a guard would seem to be that guy uh, if he does come back. But uh, yeah, that that's really to me, has, you know, the two big questions coming into the season will be that. Uh, and then, you know, front court depth behind uh, Deron Davis. I think those are going to be the two things that we're going to really look to answer now. Um, you know, if the defense can create offense, then, then maybe there's some, some things there where they make up for, uh, for that, but there will certainly be scenarios in the half court set. They've got to try to figure out how to get things done and, uh, be interesting to see how they are able to do that with, uh, without the guys they lost. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and Ryan, you, you touched on this a little bit, but you know, I know a lot of people have questioned James decision to go pro saying he's not ready. Who's he going to defend? You know, a lot of people said that about Troy Williams last year when he went pro as well after his junior year and he's ended up, you know, sticking around as on a, a playoff roster. 
Did you, you know, even though it doesn't look like there's a lot of buzz, maybe less buzz for James even as an NBA prospect than there was for Choi last year, do you think it was a smart decision for him to leave now before, you know, he has another chance to be a year older and possibly get injured again? Well, I think it, it a lot of it had to do with the fit at Indiana now, and I'm not sure he fits what Archie Miller's trying to do with the defense-first philosophy. Um, you know, Tom Crane's system was so heavy on offense and shooting that he could survive in that without playing great defense and without being a great athlete. Um, in, in, in Archie Miller's system, I'm not sure that's going to work. I think it might have been an uncomfortable situation for him as far as learning the new system and trying to fit into it. But I would also say this, um, you know, playing in Europe isn't what it was 10 years ago. You can make really good money playing in Europe. And James actually fits the European game really well. A place like Spain, a league like in Italy, France, you know, there are countries. Jordan Hulls has done well in Belgium and a couple of different places. There you go. And, and he's not, a, you know, he's an effort guy, but he's not a defensive stopper. But, I mean, in the bigger European leagues, James could thrive as an offensive machine. Um you know, because playing defense isn't sort of, you know, that key to the game there. It's more of a free flowing game, kind of like what we've seen develop with teams like the Warriors and, and things like that. I mean, you know, the Warriors play defense, but it's different. It's a different style of game. And that's how they wear their opponents down is with offense. So, I mean, you could go to Europe and have a really nice career and become really wealthy and then in your offseason come back and do the d-league if you want to gain a reputation there do some time in the d-league you know so it's not all about just getting drafted it's about you know becoming a professional basketball player somewhere and so i'm not sure he'll get drafted i'm not sure he'll end up on an nba roster but there's certainly a spot for him somewhere because of his offensive talent i think yep and I, and I would say with all the information out there, I mean, he's going into this eyes wide open. I don't know that he's under the illusion that he's going to, you know, go get drafted in the, you know, second round of the draft. I think the the opportunities that Ryan laid out are things that he has to be aware of and looking at. So in that regard, you know, I find it hard to question um, that the process is good enough for these guys to get good information if they want it. And uh, if he's done that and is comfortable with the decision, then we wish him the best and uh, and move on from there. Yeah, I certainly don't think he's he's doing he's go leaving because he thinks he's going to get drafted highly you know i mean or, or in the second yeah. round or whatever i yeah. think that this is a conscious decision based on his two options and he's taking the professional route wherever that leads him he's taking the professional route agree and these guys saw what happened with yogi and troy last year and i'm sure that had to enter into their decision a little bit too and give them a little bit more confidence that they can make the same decision themselves Alrighty, you all sent in some questions. We love that. So we're going to take your questions and answer them in our next segment. Uh, that is our Twitter Q&A coming up on this week's episode of Assembly Call Radio. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Gentlemen, we had a bunch of questions submitted via Twitter. I picked out the best ones, and let's answer them here in our second segment. It is time for our Twitter Q&A. So we're going to start with uh, a question we got from a few different people, uh, Jacob, JMO, even a few other people. But basically, I can sum up the question this way. Indiana was 18-16, and 7-11 and 11 in the Big Ten, and now the Hoosiers have lost their three best players. What adjective best describes the odds of Indiana making the 2018 NCAA tournament? Uh, unlikely or expected? And, and J-Mo's question was the same. What are the expectations now that our three best players officially are gone? Uh, Ryan, let's start with you. What is your expectation now? Is it likely? Uh, is it unlikely or expected that the Hoosiers make the NCAA tournament next year? No, I think it's likely. I, I, I don't think that the problem was talent last year. I mean, I, I don't think anybody argues that. So losing your three best players, well, one of them missed most of the season with a knee injury. Uh, one of them was James Blackman, who didn't play any defense and kind of threw the offense off at times when he was looking for his own shot. The other was Thomas Bryant, who didn't live up to expectations. Um, I think if Robert Johnson comes back, I think they're a lock for the tournament. Do I, do I know if they're going to compete for a title in the Big Ten or anything? Of course not. We don't know what the system's going to look like. We don't know what... Uh, you know, the team is going to look like. But with a lot of those players being a year older, with a guy like Deron Davis, with Curtis Jones, with Devontae Green, um, getting a year older, with Jawan Morgan hopefully being healthy for a full season, you get Colin Hartman back. Um, you know, 
Josh Newkirk, at the end of the year, we praised him a lot for his effort and for coming back and really recovering from what had been a really bad start to the season. I mean, there's enough talent there to be a tournament team if they fit the system right and if they play right. I, I don't think that's an argument. I mean, I really don't. I, you know, saying we we lost our three best players, you have to look at, you know, what that entailed and, 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 and you know, what the situation was. Those three guys, you know, weren't soaring above everybody else as the best players on the team and one of them og was out for such a long period of time it's almost like he didn't have him for the whole year but, it, so, it, but in fairness to a guy like james i mean the offense did struggle sometimes with him but also we don't beat kansas we might not beat michigan state that's absolutely true Penn state without him and absolutely and missing true. that kind of go-to offensive player is going to hurt but from a game in game out perspective we talked about this during the season it, it, you felt like he was giving up as many points as he was scoring and you felt like that, you know, sometimes the offense got bogged down with him looking for his shot. And that's just the kind of player he is. Like, it's not a it's not a not a knock on him. That's just who he was. And and as long as he was on the floor, he was going to play the way he knew how. And, and so that wound up hurting Indiana more than it helped sometimes. Now, of course, you're right. There are big games they won because of him. Um, so, you know, there's a balancing act there, though. Um, OK, well, well hold, so, hold, hold that thought, because sure. our, our next question actually gets to that basically whether the expected defensive improvement is going to be countered by offensive aggression. And so let's get to that. But Andy, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, is, do you still think it's expected that Indiana makes the tournament or are you looking at it as more unlikely now? Uh, I guess I'd probably categorize it as hopeful. I mean, when I, when I look at a lot of the, this team is going to have a lot of questions, I guess is what I, uh, you know, what I come down to when you think, I mean, you've got Colin Hartman. What does he look like after being out of here? Can Juwan Morgan stay healthy? What does Deron Davis look like as a sophomore? Can he stay out of foul trouble? Um, you know, can Newkirk, you know, build on what he did at the end of the season? How is the depth? It all, you know, who's the late game score? I think there's a lot of questions. Now, I would say that there's enough pieces that if you made me pick one of those, I'd say it's more likely than unlikely. So I guess I would I would put myself in the expected category. Um, but I also, you know, there are a lot of things that could swing uh, you know, the season by, you know, multiple wins here and there. I just think there's a lot of questions, um, not the least of which that I just rattled off have anything to do with how well the team actually, you know, buys into what Archie Miller wants to do systematically. So, uh, you know, I would still put them, I think the talent is there to get there. So if my choices are likely or unlikely or expected or unlikely, I'm going to lean more, uh, you know, away from unlikely. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of question marks uh, and a lot more questions to answer uh, then, then maybe you might normally see with a new coach coming in, just because there's a lot of personnel uh, questions as well. Even though the roster is is familiar to us uh, and full of guys who we've seen play in an IU uniform, you know, quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, personally, I say likely, but obviously there are two huge questions that I think need to be answered. One is Robert Johnson coming back. I think he's really important. It's really important that he come back and give Indiana, you know, kind of a rock that they can build on a proven score. I mean, a fourth year guard who's played in the Big Ten for three years. I think that's important. And I think a lot's hinging on Juwan Morgan staying healthy and taking the next step in his development. I mean, he's go-to guy as a junior, and he was a little bit up and down as a sophomore, not just when he was injured. You know, he, he didn't play as well defensively at times, and so I think and he didn't shoot as well. So he's got to take that next step, too. I think if those two things happen, I put Indiana uh, in the class of likely. Either way, my expectation is Indiana making the tournament because I just think it's time for us to get back to that standard that that's what we expect. And I Well, don't just, think to throw, just to throw one last thought in, I mean, look at Archie Miller's track record. You know, is this yeah. team next year talent wise going to be any worse than Dayton was this well, year? Well, yeah, you have to look at it in relation to their who they're of course, playing in their to the schedule too. and everything. But I'm yeah. saying, like, if he's been able to develop winners with that team, that kind of team against that kind of competition, when you compare what he's going to have talent wise to the rest of the league, and I going think six, seven deep a couple of years too. I mean, yes. not having any depth. So, I, I certainly think that that he'll be able to put something together and get them into the tournament. Yeah. All right. So as to the next question, I mean, I think we all agree that the defense will be better, right? I think we can all nod and agree the defense will be better. The offense clearly is not going to be as good. You know, one reason maybe that, you know, Archie Miller just hasn't had as prolific of offenses as Tom Crean has had, even though they've certainly protected the ball better than Tom Crean's offenses did. But that, plus the fact that you remove OG Ananobi, Thomas Bryant, and James Blackman Jr. from the roster, there's just less offensive firepower. But Andy, do you see the expected offensive regression being more than... Uh, the the improvement that we're expecting on defense, a wash? Like, how do you see that kind of leveling out? 
I, I mean, I would look at it as, you know, when you look at Miller's track record, at least, I mean, he's been, I think out of his six years at Dayton was in the top, I'm using arbitrary cutoff so that it makes it, they were, you know, 53rd one year, but, you know, so roughly top 50 in four of those six years offensively. Um, so if you assume that IU, even they were 27th in adjusted efficiency last year. So let's assume they drop to 40th, 45th. Uh, to be kind of in line with what Miller's teams have typically been. And the defense comes up to, let's say, 30th. I think there was a question last week. I mean, you average those out and you're in the upper 30s, you know, mid-40s, which is right where IU was last year. So I think it's probably a fair uh, way to think of it, just if you if you kind of throw a few numbers at it, where you probably end up maybe similar, maybe a bit better. Uh, maybe you get your way into the 30s, which is where, you know, we start talking about, um, you know, NCAA tournament stuff, you know, as you look through teams that were in the 30s last year, there's a lot of 9, 10, 11 seed type teams, and that's probably what IU would be uh, if you go there. So I think it's it's definitely a fair question. I think ends up being a little bit of a wash. I think Miller, because there's been such a defensive focus, um, maybe doesn't get credit at times for the fact that his teams haven't been terrible offensively by any means, just not uh, maybe not as exciting to watch on that end. But I think they've still, you know, shown an ability to be efficient. Uh, even with, again, what we would say is less talent than what he's shown so far. So uh, I don't see them falling into the, you know, 70s or 80s from an efficiency standpoint on offense, to say the least. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We're answering your questions on this edition of the Assembly Call. Uh, Ryan, let's jump ahead to the last question, because I think we kind of started talking about this off air and it ended up being a more interesting conversation than I thought it was going to be. So let's talk about it here. And this question is from Scott, and he's wondering if Archie Miller makes more sense in press conferences and interviews than Tom Crean did, uh, or is it just me? To me, it's a pretty simple answer. Yes. Uh, To you, it was a little bit more nuanced. Well, I think that he's more direct and he answers questions in a more direct way. So I think in a post-game press conference sense, he'll be fantastic, whereas Tom Crean was sort of aggravating at times. Um, But I think that when Tom Crean gave speeches, he was more, I don't want to say, I guess inspiring, I guess, but I don't mean it that over over the top I don't you know I don't know how to put it other than that but you heard him give some really great speeches and you heard him the Iowa game know, for example yeah and, and and you know his when he took the job um that speech is legendary and it'll go down in Indiana history because of the 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 words this is Indiana but the rest of that press conference was unbelievable I was I was there live you know uh, reporting on it um and all of the reporters in there after he was done were looking around at each other like that was unbelievable better Um, than Archie's because Archie's opening press conference obviously a different style Archie's was good Archie's was good but it was it was less inspiring as far as like oh my gosh like this guy is you know, you you felt like Archie is a is an incredibly competent guy with a plan. You felt like Tom Crean wanted to marry Indiana basketball. There was just a difference. Like it was, you know, um, like his entire goal of his entire life was to be at Indiana and thought that everybody else should be there, too. And it was just there was something there was a feeling in that room that it was special, that it was a special moment. Um I, and also, I, I, I would contrast that somewhat simply by saying, you know, with Archie, his opening press conference, and when you hear him speak, he sounds like a guy with a plan who is yep. totally comfortable in his plan, and he's simply explaining it. You can take it or leave it. Whereas Absolutely. Tom Crean is trying to convince you that his plan is the right one. I would agree. I would agree. And and I'm not I'm not saying that Tom Crean is a better guy at this. I'm just saying it's different styles. It's completely different. And when you listen to Archie, you feel like this guy is in charge. He knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. He's got it all covered. He's thought it all through. With Crean, it was very like high rhetoric, like, you know, and so sometimes you need that. You need to be inspiring. You need to get those words out. But for the most part, 99% of the time, you want to hear what Archie Miller brings. And that is, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know I have a vision and I'm sticking to it. Um, and, and again, we talked about, you know, giving examples of Tom Crean. When Tom Crean would talk about his recruiting classes, the day that he could finally discuss the players, those were always fantastic because he had an uh, exact plan for those guys. He had, you know, great things to say about them, their family, all this stuff. And he would use, again, like very high rhetoric and very flowery words to describe these guys. And that kind of got you excited about those guys. Which is now, why he's good on the NBA draft show. I mean, that's his exactly, wheelhouse, his player development. 
He's yeah. fantastic at that kind of thing. So with Archie, it's just different. It's completely contrasting style. So I can't say one is better than the other right now because I've had to listen to Tom Crean for so long. It's refreshing to hear Archie's take. And so I think it's one of those things where in like two or three years, this question will be easier to answer yeah. because we'll have a bigger sample size. But of course, I really love listening to what Archie's saying to people because, again, he's just in command of everything. You just feel like... He knows what he's doing. He's meant to be here. He's meant to be in this position, and he has a plan. It's like the difference between Charlie Munger and Tony Robbins, I think. Both are effective. Sorry if those references are a bit esoteric here for a little odd. Assembly Call Radio. But, uh, Andy? I, I, yeah, Maybe yeah, I should just go to back me. to Greg throw Graham it. comparisons. Yeah, yeah, great job. <laughs> throw it to me after that. Uh, here, here. I just, I just, We just fell into this hole. Try to dig us out. Uh, Look up Charlie Munger and Tony Robbins. Bringing the show to a screeching halt, Jared Morris. There are people Uh, out there who got that reference, and they're going to appreciate it. And they really loved it. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. No, I think. No, I mean, I think that I think the 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 introductory press conferences are the exact uh, you know way to look at the two of them. I mean, their differences are no more clear than they are as you look at the you know the contrast of those two uh, of those two approaches to things. And and Crean was more of the. You know, the salesman and to Ryan's point, the the more flowery words and, and kind of crafting this, you know, story around it. You kind of talk about some of the underdog stuff that we've talked about before, how he performed well there. Like even in the Iowa thing, it was kind of like, you know, people left you. We were the underdog like those things, you know, play really well. And I think, uh, you know, very salesy, uh, whatever you want to say. And, and I think to your point, Archie at least comes across as, as very direct. He's not going to give you more than what he wants to. Um, not going to go on and on. He's going to answer your question and move on to the next one. And, and, and I liked your analogy of he's, you know, he's not necessarily selling something in the way that Crean was. He's just saying, here's what I'm going to do. You can take it or leave it. I thought that was a, a pretty good way to put it. And so I think it's also one of those where, as Ryan mentioned, you know, people have kind of gotten tired of some of that aspect of what, what Crean is doing. Um, so inherently people who are tired of that are going to be refreshed by seeing Miller take a different approach. So uh, I, I think it just stands to reason that people are going to be more receptive to that because it's it's different and not something that you'd gotten tired of uh, in the same way that if you ate the same meal, you know, for seven years and somebody cooked you something different, even if it was grilled cheese, you might still be excited about it just because it's something different. You should always be excited about grilled cheese, by the way. But no, I, I think... Because uh, Ryan's probably hungry, so yeah, right. we Dude, get I'm a food starving. reference. I'm starving. Uh, no, Especially but, after the workout you had right before the show. I mean, you got to be it starving. Was crazy workout, guys, that you're never going to hear about if you, uh, if you weren't on before we went on the air. Uh, no, I would also say that I think Crean, you always got the feeling like he was always looking at the bigger picture, like long-term... You know, if whether it's in a season or for the program, whereas I feel like Archie is worried about getting it done right now, getting it done every night, getting it, you know, getting the net. He's worried about the next practice, then the next game, then the next, you know, whatever, where he's got obviously a vision for the program. But his focus is every day getting better, where I think Crean had more of a big picture focus. And and I think that that came out when he talked about things a lot. And, um, you know, you might hear more, from, as Andy said, you might hear from more from Archie in a few weeks you know, as, as he gets in and gets settled and has his roster and can start thinking bigger term, uh, you know, or bigger picture and longer term. Yep. All righty. Well, coming up, we have a special treat. We're going to draft three-on-three teams with the remaining players on IU's roster, then debate whose team is best. This is going to be fun. Stick with us. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Remember to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership. You will get our weekly Six Banner Saturday News Roundup, plus our world-renowned post-game analysis emails the morning after every IU game. You have to be a member to get them. The URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris, here talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on The Assembly Call, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And remember, you can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. All right, for our third segment, we're going to do something fun. We are going to take the remaining Indiana roster and draft teams for a fictional 
three-on-three tournament. So the rules are pretty simple. These games will be played to 11, 15, whatever, but it'll be ones and twos. So yes, outside shooting does matter. Uh, Other than that, we are doing this under the assumption that Robert Johnson returns. So he is eligible as part of the player pool. But as we determined, Archie Miller is not eligible as a player coach, uh, point guard. I argued against Ryan. You cannot choose Archie Miller. (laughs) I argued against that heavily, but apparently they're not allowing it. It'd be interesting to see where Archie would actually go if he could be picked and considering no one's actually watched him play in what 18 years but I think there might be more confidence in him than uh than some of the guards on the roster right now okay we uh we we made accommodations uh, during the uh the break for how who the, what the draft order would be Ryan you have the first pick followed by Andy and then myself and then it will snake back so here we go let's draft our teams and then we will debate who has the best team, and we want you to chime in as well. So you can go to the YouTube page, assemblycall.com slash YouTube is our YouTube channel, or, of course, on Twitter, at assemblycall. Let us know what picks you agree with, disagree with, whose team you like, don't like. We want all of your comments. Let us know. With that said, Ryan Phillips, I, you are on the Just clock. in the interest of full transparency, when Jared said make accommodations, that meant he picked what slot he wanted first, and then Ryan and I fought over which, whichever fight other over. one we wanted. Basically, we, had a, we did a little competition to get it. Uh, I, I would say, too, to point this out, uh, I am basing this, and I think we all should, on where these guys will be at the start of the season. So not today. I'm saying start of the season. So this is with an offseason development, a projection for me. I okay. would say that. This is how he prefaces fair. his Deron Davis pick, because Deron will be in shape. Can we just get this out of the way? You do not know who I'm picking. Just, Why do you assume that I'm going to take Dur- – I'm taking Deron Davis. Deron Davis, yes. See, I – I drew big man on the roster. I, I have a big man. You know, you guys make fun of me for choosing. I magnanimously stepped to the side so that you guys could have Deron and have Jawan Morgan. Or actually, Andy will probably pick Robert Johnson. But that's why I did that. It wasn't just to take the three, four picks back to back. Yeah. Right, right. All right, Got it. Andy. Got it. <laughs> number uh, two. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Juwan. Wow. Over Robert Johnson. See, you got to look. There's, there's other guards. You start looking. It's a scarcity. I mean, even when we're I on the second Ron pick. Davis because of practicality, not because I love yeah. the kid. He's Morgan the only big can, man. Only true big Morgan man. Morgan can guard different positions, do a bunch of things. If I don't take a point guard, he can initiate the offense. Come on. All right. We got we to keep it moving. You're up. Yep. All right. So I'm clearly taking Robert Johnson. There's no question there. Uh, I'm taking Robert Johnson, and I and I need some size. I am going to. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, We're gonna have to bleep that out. No, um, you're not. <laughs> okay. I'm 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 gonna kind of surprise you here. I'm going with the freshman Clifton Moore. I'm taking some size. I need some height, so I'm going with Clifton. Andy, back to you. Uh, I'm gonna uh, maybe another surprise. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Devonte Green. Dang it! Wow, yeah, it's good. Mo- yeah. Mostly, in in part, I mean, I am excited about him this year. Part of, a good part of that was just despite Ryan. Yeah, I knew. I and knew. and you needed a guard, so I mean, that's it's a wise a guard. I would have picked defender. him, but I already had Robert. Needed a good defender. I'm gonna hold these 11 to 15 point games uh, to you know as as low as they possibly can be. I know who I'm taking. I am gonna take me. Uh, so this snakes. I got back to back picks here, right? You do. You uh, do. I am taking Colin Hartman, and I will take Josh Newkirk. Josh Newkirk. Okay. Right. See, it's a good squad there. Deron Davis, Colin Hartman, Josh Newkirk. That's a solid start for you. Oh boy. Oh, I know. I'm good at this. <laughs> All right, Goodness. Andy. Um. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Who who's available still? So we've got so Tim Priller, Freddie yep. McSwain. Uh, Grant Curtis Galon, Jones. Curtis Jones, Al Durham, and Justin Smith, all still available. And uh, McRoberts. Okay. Uh, boy, that's, that was tough. I was hoping to get one of those guys that Ryan went with. Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to take uh, Justin Smith. Dang it. Good pick. That's who I wanted. That is a good pick. Uh, okay, so I am going to go with Curtis Jones who is getting ready to bust out as a sophomore. So that's that's a huge pick right there. Um, and give me Freddie McSwain. Just try and keep him off the offensive boards in a three-on-three setting. Good luck. <laughs> Andy? Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, man, I'm going to have a young, young team here. I'm going uh, to take Al Durham. Okay. 
I liked your uh, I liked your interview with him. I think he's got a good good mindset. Another guy who can facilitate and uh, and I mean, there's going to be lots of fouls called in in, in as in any uh, tournament of this setting, and he proved to be good to get to the line. And uh, yeah, I mean, defensively, Andy, career. your team's going to be good, but I'm just not sure how you're going to score any points. That's not important. I it's, am taking. It's, a, it's, a, it's a battle of attrition. We're with play the defense, last, wear you down, and then eventually, I'm bound to score. With the last pick in the draft, I'm taking a shooter. I'm taking Grant Galon. Grant Galon. Okay. He's my bench guy, so yeah. that's Yeah, we got a bench guy. Okay, so let me reset real quick, and then let's recap the rosters, and let's debate who's going to win. So you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we just did a draft. We are drafting for a fictional three-on-three tournament with the remaining Indiana Hoosiers roster. Here's how the draft went down. So... Ryan's team is Deron Davis. That was the first overall pick was Deron Davis. He also has Colin Hartman, Josh Newkirk, and Grant Galon. So his, obviously, top three are Josh Newkirk, Colin Hartman, Deron Davis. Andy went with Juwan Morgan with the second pick, followed that up with Devontae Green, Justin Smith, and Al Durham. Uh, and I picked Robert Johnson with my third pick because we were doing this with the assumption that Robert will return. I then picked Clifton Moore, and then I have Curtis Jones and Freddie McSwain. Uh, so let's each state the case for why our team is the best. Uh, I will go first. I mean, clearly I have the senior in Robert Johnson who has experience, is both a very good shooter and an excellent defender. Now, obviously, then I have two wild cards in Clifton Moore and Curtis Jones who have all the talent and ability in the world, but can they actually harness that? I think I had to take Clifton Moore at that spot because I needed some size with Davis and Morgan already gone. But I think he really presents some matchup problems, especially in a three-on-three setting. Uh, and I'm banking on big-time improvement from Curtis Jones to the point where I think when we look back at this selection, it'll be pretty obvious that he should have been a second-round pick instead of a late third-round pick uh, and that that will, will end up looking good. So I think the balance in terms of the shooting and the offensive skill, my team may be a little defensively challenged, but that's why having Freddie McSwain in there to clean up the glass, to play some hard-nosed defense in spurts uh, in place of Clifton Moore or Curtis Jones uh, really helps balance out my roster uh, and clearly makes that team the champion of the three-on-three tournament. False. False. Okay. <laughs> hey, but you know you got to state it with conviction, right? Uh, Andy, why don't you make the case uh, for your team next? I mean, I think I've got the best chance to lure Archie Miller to coach my team based on the <laughs> defensive mindset. So that gives me a leg up on either of you immediately. Uh, no, I think there's like, a good versatility with Juan Morgan who can do a lot of different things, can guard guard different positions, and particularly in this where there aren't many big men to have to worry about guarding. Uh, I think that becomes Except helpful. Except for when got, you play Ryan's team. Got multiple. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, got multiple guys who can uh, who can initiate the offense between Morgan, Devontae Green, even Al Durham. Uh, as a potential point guard, so I like that. Uh, youth is a is a question mark with you know three of them, uh, either freshmen or sophomores. But uh, I like the toughness uh, between a guy like Juwan Morgan, Devontae Green yeah. uh, has has shown that. So a lot of a lot of moxie, uh, I think, would be you know said about this team. And like I said, I think conditioning is going to be important uh, as we look forward to where this is going to be because my team is going to have to grind out wins. Uh, in defensive struggles, but I think they've uh, they've got things to do it. Devontae, I think, will improve as a shooter, so that'll help uh, balance things a bit uh, from the outside. But I got some guys that can really drive it to the hoop, and uh, and hopefully make some things happen. So you know, and your team, like Indiana, is really hinging on the health of Juwan Morgan because if anything happens to Juwan, I mean, you're stuck with Devontae, Justin Smith, and Al Durham. You know, a small, undersized, unproven group that's really going to mm-hmm. make things tough on you. So you need Juwan to uh, to stay on the floor. Yeah, and if Miller doesn't coach, I'm, I can get if if that happens, I'll get Crean to give the underdog speech, and it'll all come it'll all come together. The Crean underdog speech. That's then all, nobody that's then nobody believed in us. It's going to be a big one. Yeah. All right, and now the team that clearly has the advantage from a size perspective, uh, Ryan oh, Phillips fighting my team Deron has Davis's. The, the advantage in every respect. I don't think I don't think anybody in the audience is going to argue with this. First of all, Deron Davis, the only Your team pure... can't, You have no shooting in your starting lineup. Uh, that's why I picked up Grant Galon, a sh- an ace shooter. If you watched his, his tape, come on, man. Uh, so Deron Davis, plus Colin Hartman can shoot. Don't. Yeah, but Deron Davis, the only true big man on this team is. is so you guys can't guard him. First of all, that's you're out the window. You're done right there. Uh, you should have gone with the number one pick, Jared. Uh, then you've got Colin Hartman and Newkirk. So you've got leadership, but you've also got the two best post passers 
on the team, the two best post entry feed guys on the team. You've also got you Newkirk. Think, you think elevate- Josh Newkirk is, is a uh, better post feeder than Devontae Green? Yeah, get out of here with that nonsense. I think that's, I think, well, Devontae, that's a good point with Devontae. But remember, Devontae didn't play as much as Newkirk last year. So we kind of. And also, Robert out. Johnson was a pretty good post feeder as a no, sophomore. He he, as a sophomore, it, well, was. he was. He struggled as a junior. He struggled as a junior. Uh, so I'm going with where they're at now, Jared, or where they're going to be at. And I haven't seen that from Rojo in a while. So you've got the leadership, veteran leadership, Colin Hartman, Josh Newkirk. Both guys can't shoot. You're right. Not lights out shooters. But that's why I got Galen on my bench. If I am behind and need to bring in some shooters, you flip uh, Hartman can handle the ball or uh, you can flip him out. You can go small, take Deron Davis out, get the three perimeter guards. You're I gonna have to do my, that once Juwan Morgan gets Deron Davis in foul trouble. So yeah, you're gonna have to. Oh, yeah, you better hope Craig Galen's ready to play. Sure Juwan Morgan has his deals. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be destroying you when Juwan when Juwan Davis uh, Juwan uh, Morgan goes down with. You another don't even age. know their names, Ryan. You can't. Yeah. You know, the problem I, is I, we got this, guys. I'm sorry. Well, first of all, I will say that it's either Andy's team or my team. I think, Jared, I, I think that the snake, that is That's preposterous. I that is just, that, no, that, that is preposterous. My team has balance. You can't yeah. guard Robert Johnson, Clifton Moore, and Curtis Jones. I have the most offensive firepower oh, in a three-on-three yeah, setting. Yeah. Josh Newkirk shut down Joel Berry. He can guard those guys. What are you talking about? And, and Deron Davis is going to come out on the floor and guard Clifton Moore. He'll go right by him, and then Deron will foul him. And First of all, he'll be he'll be sitting on the bench in favor Clifton of Grant Moore Galon. Is get manhandled by by a, a grown man in Deron Davis. Clifton Moore is needs to eat a ham sandwich right now and then repeat <laughs> that every five minutes until he's on campus. The kid weighs like two hundred pounds at six eleven. Don't tell me he's he's gonna destroy a two hundred and forty pound Deron Davis. Come on now. All right, don't so even, don't even right, start. We, we have to take a break, but we want your thoughts. Tweet us at Assembly Call whose team you think will win the fictional IU basketball three-on-three tournament. Ryan's team, Deron Davis, Colin Hartman, Josh Newkirk, and Grant Galon. Andy's team, Juwan Morgan, Devontae Green, Justin Smith, and Al Durham. Or my team, Robert Johnson, Clifton Moore, Curtis Jones, and the super sub off the bench, Freddie McSwain. Let us know your pick. And, uh, yeah, and we'll be back. Jared's got to take a break and make a ham sandwich for Clifton We'll be back with our final segment. I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about. We may pick up this debate or we'll talk about something else. But join us as we wrap up this edition of the Assembly Call. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Hopefully you joined us for our last segment where we had some fun and drafted teams for a fictional three-on-three uh, tournament with uh, with the IU basketball roster. I ended up choosing Curtis Jones. He was my third pick, uh, actually the ninth pick overall. Uh, I ended up with Robert Johnson, Clifton Moore, and Curtis Jones and Freddie McSwain, uh, the winning team in this tournament. But, you know, it's interesting that Curtis Jones lasted uh, as long as he did until the ninth pick. Um, because I think with James Blackman Jr. leaving, that obviously opens up a huge hole in the backcourt and I don't think Indiana is going to have a successful season if Curtis Jones is kind of the ninth option or the ninth man in the rotation. I think Indiana needs him to step up and fulfill some of the promise that he had coming out as a top 100 recruit uh, a couple of years ago. I mean, Andy, as you look at this, I think we all agree that, you know, the development of Deron Davis, the health of Juwan Morgan, the health of Colin Hartman, you know, those are some of the, you know, Robert Johnson coming back. Those are some of the most important things. But I don't think we should overlook how important it is or could be for Curtis Jones, if he can make that leap, how big that could be for Indiana next season. Yeah, I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about, you know, the the post-depth, but I think, you know, guard-wise, not a great idea of what you've got outside of, you know, Robert Johnson, Newkirk, and, and Devontae Green. So uh, I think Jones does become really important. I mean, you look at him statistically, uh, the thing that jumps out to me is the turnover rate, and not just the overall turnover rate, but... Uh, against what on Ken Palm, you know, he deems tier A competition. His turnover rate was almost 30. Um, and, and I think they were just, you know, the ebbs and flows of his season were pretty wild swings. And he finished strong, um, you know, two of the last three games he played, ended up playing fairly well. Uh, Georgia Tech also, uh, you know, against Iowa in the Big Ten tournament and played well. So, you know, you saw the flashes, but the consistency just wasn't there. Um, and and I think he is a guy, though, he's got long arms and, and really has a chance to be able to put pressure on the ball defensively. 
uh, and help out and set the tone in that regard. So I think if he the you know, key for him to, to really get playing time initially is going to be able to establish himself defensively. And if he can keep himself on the floor doing that, maybe he gets into an offensive rhythm uh, well enough. But I don't think he's going to be asked to handle the ball a great deal and just has to make better decisions, quite honestly, as that turnover rate would indicate. Um, but I think as a complementary piece can be, uh, you know, a guy that, that we can get excited about. But, you know, we just have to see it on a more consistent basis than we did a year ago. Yeah, I would I would just jump in and say that I, I think that the other three main guards as they stand right now, Robert Johnson, uh, Josh Newkirk, and Devontae Green, uh, obviously Johnson can score the basketball a little more than the other two guys, but they're all kind of interchangeable, whereas I think Curtis Jones gives you a different type of player, an athlete who can shoot when he's on, can shoot, can drive, has just you know, otherworldly athleticism and, and has to figure out how to use it. Uh, and defensively, he gives you a lot of length, a lot of size um, at that guard position. So I think that, that he could be extremely important if he can develop this offseason. He's going to be very important to Indiana's story next year, good or bad. He's going to be very important because I think he gives you something different than the other guards on the roster. By the way, over in the YouTube comments, Drew the Dude has uh, the three-on-three teams ranked Ryan, Jared, Andy, uh, but he also has a UK, a Kentucky logo as his avatar, so you can take that uh, for what it's worth. And uh, you know, but he does make a good point. Shouldn't the whole conversation scare IU fans about the lack of height? And it, you know, it kind of does. Um, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to see how it shakes out. I mean, I think Indiana is not going to be a team that is deep on the front line. Obviously, uh, going to have to compensate with you know being gritty and with guards stepping up and taking the uh, the next leap in their development. And I think Curtis Jones is obviously a guy who's going to be very very important. From that perspective. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free Assembly Call membership. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to support the show, please share The Assembly Call with a friend or family member who loves IU basketball like you do. You can also visit assemblycall.com support to learn a few ways you can help. From donating to grabbing official Assembly Call gear to buying IU merchandise that you'd buy anyway but using our special affiliate links which get us a commission. We rely on the support of audience members like you to keep the Assembly Call alive and growing. Once again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash support. Thank you, and as always, Go Hoosiers! Cascade Platinum every night Saves you water every night Come meet me at the dishwasher place See, hand-washing dishes at your sink Uses about four gallons of water every two minutes Naughty, naughty sink But with Cascade Platinum at your dishwasher Four gallons of water gets the whole job done So the flow of that H2O And change your routine Do it every night with Cascade Platinum A surprising way to save water Mexico is more than a country. It's a feeling. Wherever you feel Mexican, there is Mexico. Let's celebrate it. Tecate. Mexico is in us.